The Christmas story is filled with a bunch of average, ordinary people. There's a bunch of shepherds that show up and then some wise men that come from the east. And then, of course, there's Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. And when you think about the first Christmas, when we think about it, the first Christmas was a group of regular people who played key roles in what seems to be a rather modest event. It's human nature to think that if there's not someone important or influential involved, then it must not be that significant. But don't make that mistake about this event. Don't think that just because the story is simple that somehow it's unimportant because this story is about what God has done for us. Through this series called Simply Christmas, we've seen wise men give their best. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then we saw these shepherds give their experience. They gave what they had. Their present to Jesus was their presence. And then Joseph, we saw, gave his reputation when he agreed to take Mary home, a pregnant girl, as his wife. And then Mary, Mary gave her all, all of that, to be the mother of Jesus. But when Jesus came, God gave us something very significant. He gave us his own son. And in doing this, he gave us something very, very important, extremely valuable. He gave us hope. And when Jesus came... That was a game changer. Now, are you familiar with that phrase, game changer? A game changer is someone or something that completely changes how something is done. We think about game changers. We think about people like athletes who make big contributions or remarkable influence in a certain game or a series of games. Or we think about business people who build these massive companies. Or sometimes we think about great leaders Over the course of history, we've seen game changers in various inventions, things like the wheel or the printing press or the light bulb, the automobile, the telephone or the the, uh, airplane, just to name a few. We've heard the term game changer, and it describes remarkable events, remarkable happenings. A game changer, a real game changer, is undeniable. No matter how cynical a person might be, he or she cannot look at a true game changer and deny that they truly can change things in a different direction than we've always had them go. All the people in the Christmas story, you can make the case that they're average. I mean, I don't mean that in a critical sense. But there's nothing really spectacular about these people until you get to the baby Jesus. He looked ordinary. I mean, as babies go, but he was anything but ordinary. What we will realize through this story, the first Christmas, is that this baby brought hope. Jesus is the ultimate game changer. Jesus is the ultimate game changer. I want to take a few minutes to look at two facets of the Christmas story that reveal 
that Jesus was this ultimate game changer. The first is this. The story actually started long before Jesus came. This started long before he was even born. The first inclination that Jesus would be a game changer actually came in a prophecy. Now, there were over 60 prophecies in the Old Testament that were made, and Jesus fulfilled those. But this one particular prophecy refers to his birth, and it reveals why this baby would be considered by us today the ultimate game changer. It's written 700 years before he would be born. And it's found in Isaiah, the seventh chapter, verse 14. Let me read this for you. Isaiah seven fourteen says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. But the message, I think it's often missed by many. Isaiah says this. First of all, he says, the Lord himself will give you a sign, which means God's involved in this. This this sign that's coming, when it happens, you're going to know it was ordained by God. And then the sign itself, secondly, he says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, think about that for a second. A virgin conceives and gives birth to a son. That in itself is pretty miraculous. But that's just the beginning. This indicates something incredible is coming. In fact, later we're going to realize that this virgin conceiving and giving birth is just the tip of the iceberg of what's to come. And then Isaiah points out the last part of this. He says, and he will, we will call him Emmanuel. We will call him Emmanuel. Your Bible probably has a footnote in it that tells us that Emmanuel means God with us. The name Emmanuel emphasizes Jesus' role of bringing God's presence to man. It's not an actual name. In fact, we'll see later that the angels instructed Jesus to be named Jesus, not Emmanuel. Emmanuel is more about his role, being God's presence with us. So looking at the baby lying there in the manger, one might be unimpressed unless they knew this prophecy. They knew who he was that he was actually God who came to be with us. There's another facet of the Christmas story that reveals that Jesus was the ultimate game changer, and that's this. The angel revealed and confirmed this plan that God had for us. Think about this. Over the last couple weeks, Philip Carroll, our associate minister, has been kind of unpacking the life of Mary and Joseph and how they fit into this story. And if you've missed that, I encourage you to go back and check those messages out. But let me give you a real quick review. Here's what happens. Mary is visited by an angel named Gabriel. And this is what he told her in Luke, the 
First chapter, verses 30 and following. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he had decided to divorce her privately rather than publicly embarrassing her. But before he can actually take steps to make that happen, Joseph himself is visited by an angel. This is what the angel said to Joseph. In Matthew, the, 20th, the first chapter, verse 20, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bring, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Then Matthew goes on and then he says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said about through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph finds out that his wife-to-be is going to have a baby. But before he can take action, an angel shows up to let Joseph know just exactly what God is doing. He said all of this happened in order to fulfill this prophecy from Isaiah. This baby that will be born is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does it mean, practically speaking, for a Christ follower today, for God to come to us? Let me give you a couple of ideas. Number one, because God is with us, we can always have confidence that God has everything under control. Uncertainty creates worry and anxiety and fear. And there's been plenty of that over these last several days. Over the course of this 2020, as we've kind of lived through all kinds of different gyrations, have, have really challenged our being, our faith. When someone is with you who can actually handle the challenges that you're facing, that's a game changer. I remember when I was probably 12 or 13 years of age, my family took a summer vacation to a lake down in Missouri. We had a great week of water skiing and boating and fishing and swimming. But when the vacation was over, we loaded up on Sunday afternoon and we started the six-hour trip back to Iowa. We had probably driven only five miles, literally just five miles, when my dad pulled the car over. He got out and he checked a few things and then he came back to announce to us that we had a, a broken rear axle. That didn't sound good. 
It was, as I said, late on Sunday afternoon, and so my dad walked across the street to a service station that was still open and used the payphone there. Over the next few hours, my dad would locate a used rear axle from a salvage yard there in Missouri, and then he would replace the broken one with the good one. And before we knew it, we were on our way home. As I was reflecting on that story a while back, I remember thinking, what was going through my mind at that time? The answer is nothing. (laughs) My remembrance of that Sunday afternoon was nothing, really. I never once worried that we had a broken axle. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I was old enough to be aware of the circumstance, but it never caused me to worry. And that's because I knew My dad could handle it. At the time, I knew my dad was strong. I mean, physically strong. And he could fix just about anything. And then later in life, I would come to realize that my dad was actually a really good problem solver. Those qualities coupled with a calm demeanor, it gave the whole family this confidence that everything was going to be okay. Even though we had a broken axle. When I was with my dad... I never worried or stressed because he gave you that assurance that everything would always work out. You know, as great as my dad was in my world, God is so much greater. He's the ultimate authority in this universe. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. And he's omniscient, which means he knows all things. He is superior over everything. So when he is with you, you can have confidence. You can have hope because he is the ultimate authority. Worry is going to try to choke out life, but God can give you peace in the midst of the struggle because you know he can handle whatever challenges you face. Remember that you will never face anything that God can't handle. His presence makes all the difference. His presence is a game changer. Well, God with us, what does it mean actually, practically speaking, for us? There's another facet of that. And that is because God is with us, we'll never be alone. If you're like me, Christmas is a great time of year. I mean, it's probably one of my favorite times all year round. I enjoy giving gifts and seeing people's response and reaction when they open them. I love the food and the music this time of year. But the thing I value the most is getting to be with people, you know, relaxing, enjoying. I love these Christmas Eve services and being with you all. I mean, looking at you out there all masked up and appropriately six feet apart, safely social distancing. You're beautiful that way. You know, I love being with people, but my favorite people are my family. I love being with them. There are people, though, as awesome as it is this time of year for me, there are people who that isn't true for them. There are people especially this year, who because of the pandemic 
are going to spend Christmas by themselves. Before the pandemic, it may have been challenging to find time for yourself between work and personal appointments and family obligations. And now we're finding ourselves with more me time than ever before. And for many people, that's not a good thing. They're feeling extremely lonely. In a January 2020 report from the health insurance company known as Cigna, The report suggested that there was around 60% of American adults who felt some degree of loneliness. And this was before COVID-19 pandemic started. Due to the shutdown and the stay-at-home orders, nearly 50% report feeling lonelier than usual. So you had 60% of adults who said, I feel lonely, and now... Out of all adults, 50% of them are saying, I feel lonelier than normal. If you're feeling lonely, you must never forget that no matter where you are, God is with you. Hebrews 3, 5 says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God says that he won't abandon you. He's not going to desert you. He will never leave you. Never. The king of kings came into the world because of you and because of me. And then before he ascended, Jesus made a promise. He said that he would send an advocate, the Holy Spirit. He called him the comforter. He would send him in his place, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually God. He's part of that triune group known as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's God, and he's living in us. The Holy Spirit gives us strength in times of weakness. gives us courage when we're afraid. And he gives us abundant life instead of all those dark places that at one time felt dead to us. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, you will never be alone. And that is a game changer. Well, if you continue to think about God being with us and how that practically plays out in the life of the Christ follower, there's a third third example of this. Because God is with us, he provides needed support. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. But he he was one of those people who was just like you and me. He had a period of time in his life where he felt alone, really alone. He was separated from all those strengthening relationships in his life, following this great victory that he had had over the prophets of Baal. Queen Jezebel, she was one of his enemies, and she was breathing these fiery threats against him. She sent a message to Elijah threatening to kill him by this time the next day. Elijah was exhausted physically and emotionally. 
And thus, he wasn't thinking clearly. Even though he had just seen God do this miraculous thing by sending fire from heaven and consuming the sacrifice that Elijah had laid out there on Mount Carmel, he had seen all of that. He'd experienced it, and yet, now he's afraid. And as a result, he takes off running into the wilderness. And then having run about as far as he could run, we read this in 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, verse 4, he says, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. It's interesting. Elijah He couldn't have been thinking clearly. He knew that God was greater than Jezebel. Even on Jezebel's best day, she couldn't hold a candle to the Almighty. But when he was exhausted and found himself alone, just like you and me, he didn't see reality clearly. But God responded. He gave Elijah rest, and then he gave him refreshment, and then God gave him direction for what he was to do next, and then he gave him a friend. Listen to what we read in verse 19 of chapter 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. The next next thing we find out is that Elisha actually ministers to Elijah. And that's because that's what friends do. They, they minister to each other. God provides support. A few years ago, I read a story by Chuck Swindoll that he tells about visiting a man who had, was recovering from surgery in a dismal hospital. He tells that This man had a young son, and during the recovery, he made a toy truck for the little boy. It was made from wood, and he had handcrafted it himself, and he was very excited about the boy receiving the gift. And since the boy was not allowed to go into the unit to visit his dad, an orderly at the hospital delivered the present to the little boy who was waiting outside the hospital with his mom. The father was looking out from his fifth floor window down at his son unwrapping the gift. And the little boy opened the package and his eyes got wide when he saw this wonderful little truck. He hugged it to his chest. Meanwhile, the father was waving his arms from behind the the glass window trying to get his son's attention. But the little boy couldn't see his dad. The little boy put the truck down, reached up and hugged the orderly and thanked him for the present. All the while, the frustrated father was going through these dramatic gestures saying, it's me, son, I'm the one that made that for you. I'm the one that gave it to you. Look up here, it's your dad. Well, finally, the mother and the hospital orderly turned the boy's attention to the fifth floor window where he could see his dad. And the boy began to yell, Daddy, 
Daddy, I miss you. Thank you for my truck. When can you come home? Thank you for my truck. And the dad just stood there in the window with tears rolling down his face. I wonder how often are we like that little child in the first part of that story. We find ourselves locked away in our loneliness and our disappointment and discouragement. And then God gives us the gifts of rest or refreshment or wise counsel or, or friends who come at just the right time. Let me encourage you. Don't be so focused on the gifts. Rather, focus on the gift giver. Life is often challenging, but God provides the support we need. And that is always a game changer. Well, there's one last aspect of how this idea of God being with us can be experienced practically in all of our lives. And that is because God is with us, he offers us eternal life. When we realize who that baby was lying in the manger, the son of God, then we will realize that that was actually the Messiah, the Savior, the one the prophets had predicted. John says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The most significant reality of God being with us is that eternal life is available to us. 2,000 years ago, God looked at our sinful world and saw our hopelessness and all of our futile attempts to make ourselves right with him. And he did what we could never do. He came to us. When Jesus came to earth, he literally became Emmanuel, God with us. John writes in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, he says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Have you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? If you haven't accepted God's offer to forgive you of your sins, I want to encourage you to reach out. We'd love to interact with you and share with you what it means to actually make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can send us an email to notestomani at ncclex.org or you can go to our website, ncclex.org slash connect and fill out the connect card there and we'll follow up with you. We'd love to interact with you to share with you how you can receive God's grace. It's from Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. He is the ultimate game changer. You know, when you think about Jesus, he can turn death into life. We saw him do that in the pages of Scripture. He could also turn darkness into light. Light is a metaphor that is often found in Scripture, and Every year at Christmas Eve, we will light candles and pass the light around. 
This light that we read about in scripture represents the spirit of God and the message of God that is in an individual who's a follower of Christ. One of the key properties of light is that it always drives out darkness. Darkness hides things, but light exposes them. Light also reveals to us the path ahead. So it shows us the way. Jesus coming into the world brought this light. The light still shines today in the lives of all of those who have put their trust in Jesus. Isaiah 9, 2 said, The people who walk in darkness will see a bright light. The light will shine on those who live in the land of death's shadow. In the past, I would have had our staff and elders come and I would have passed this light on to them. And then they, in turn, would have passed it on to you, young and old. We would have passed this light all over this auditorium to share it with whoever would receive it. But this year, because of all the things that have restricted us, I want you to think about this light in maybe a little different manner. I want you to think about the power that just one light can have. If we were to shut the lights off in this auditorium, this light right here would continue to drive back the darkness. Oh, it might not fill up this entire room, but it would make a significant difference. This flame, though it's small, it would provide a tremendous light which should remind us that when the light of God is in us, Emmanuel, God with us, we can enlighten those who we encounter throughout life. And as we pass along our light to them, the life-changing message of Jesus, we can change the world.
Thanks for joining us for our Christmas celebration this year. I know it's been a strange year, but we are so grateful to have you here. And if this is your first time with us at Northeast, it has been a great honor to have you here as our guests. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope that we will see you again very soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you.